0: Hey, welcome to another episode of Encountering the Heart. Today is a special episode. We've received some questions from some of our young people, and we want to tackle one of them today. So we're sitting down with Father Adam, and he's going to share a bit about what life was like living in the seminary. So Father, we've received some questions from from the youth that have um, come in, and one of them that came in is, what was life like living in the seminary? So could you just share a bit with us about what it was like for you to spend some time in the seminary?
1: Yeah, life in the seminary is uh, its definitely an interesting place, and I'm going to focus in a little bit on um, uh, what life was like for me at St. Vincent de Paul, which is in Boynton Beach. I did my first three years in Miami at St. John Vianney, uh, but obviously most recent knowledge is uh, my last five years that I did. So eight years total, very long process, um, but there's uh, really, say, four dimensions of uh, forming a priest. Uh, Human, intellectual, spiritual, and pastoral. So the human side of things, honestly, it's kind of that day-to-day life, that day-to-day grind, with living with 100 guys who are around (laughs) your age and just dealing with uh, those normal human interactions. Um, Someone was scandalized one time when they found out that not all seminarians are like best friends, and sometimes you know there's <laughs> other personalities that you might not necessarily get along with, and you, you still have to live with that person, though. And you mean they
0: don't make all 100 of you alike all no, at once? No, we're not. We're <laughs> not uh,
1: this is not Star Wars. There's not clones, um, but it just doesn't happen. Uh, we are very much uh, 100 unique persons, and that's how the Lord has made us, and at the same time, the Lord has called us uh, to the priesthood for a reason, per- particular gifts and talents, uh, thank God not all priests are the same. We all have an ability to reach uh, different people in different states in life. Um, but maybe there's some of you listening right now who can think of some priests who, man, you you wish they had a little bit more uh, rooted in their humanity and their uh, and they knew what it just meant to be alive in Christ. Um, but little things, Sometimes this, sound, this is going to sound bad, sometimes the formation team who's kind of in charge of us all has to remind guys that they have to do laundry, <laughs> um, Hey, you know, clean clothes are important. You haven't washed that shirt in a month. We can tell, uh, or, you know, things like that. Um, you know, human formation is, you know, being on time for a class for liturgies and things like that. Uh, that's kind of the human aspect of just being a good, well-rounded human person.
0: And as, as men, we need those reminders in general all the time. Exactly. So. <laughs> see, and at least
1: see, you have a wife to remind you Exactly. Of I like, don't, yes. I to, you know, you know, kind of do it on my own. I don't have someone. I don't have a yes. wife at home. Be like, honey, you need to do your laundry now. Okay.
0: Yeah. You know, especially if you're preparing to be a priest, it's like, and after you get ordained, you're not going to have someone to remind you of this. No. You're going to have to learn to do it on your own. Exactly.
1: <laughs> um, but also, you know, part of the human formation is, uh, you know, we've got when you have a hundred guys living together, play a lot of sports together. Uh, you know that fraternal time. Um, and just kind of growing those, uh, brotherly relationships, which is uh, so in- important to have, uh, know that you have brothers to turn to when things get tough. Uh, so, uh, human formation, spiritual formation is, uh, you know, taking time with a spiritual director. I would meet with my spiritual director once a month. Uh, we pray throughout the day. So a priest prays the clergy of the hours. Uh, we're just praying the Psalms five times a day. And that's part of our, uh, community life at the seminary. So praying together, uh, going to Mass every single day, um, and also taking time to pray with each other as well. Uh, Time in adoration, praying the rosary, uh, to develop our own spiritual lives because as uh, St. Thomas Aquinas says, you cannot give what you do not have. So if I don't have a deep-rooted spiritual life myself, I can't be a spiritual father for other people. Uh, The intellectual formation, We have class, and that is a majority, and that's the most easy thing to uh, literally grade in seminary process, is how are you doing in class? Uh, I was talking about St. Vincent de Paul, so there it's all theology. So moral theology, sacred scripture, uh, canon law, liturgical practicum classes, uh, and a number of pastoral uh, classes, classes in spiritual direction, and... uh, Historical theology, so going through the history of the church. And uh, yeah, so it, that daily, it, in a master's level class, most of us have about, the average master's class is about maybe eight to nine credit hours in a semester. Master's level in the seminary is like 15 to 17 credit hours in a <laughs> semester. So it gets pretty intense at times, but uh, you do it because you feel called by God to, to pursue the priesthood.
0: So Is there one class you can point out that was, like, really foundational for you in your formation?
1: Wow. Uh, Actually, when I was in uh, my last semester of the seminary, I had uh, medical ethics with Dr. Christian Brueger, and we had just gotten him uh, in moral theology, and he was just incredible. Uh, Really just uh, such a well-grounded, well-formed man, And when he was going through things, uh, talking about uh, IVF and uh, abortion and affirming life from conception, and the way he was able to do it from such a scientific perspective, and we would dive into not just what does the church teach theologically, but here are these medical doctors and what they're saying on a biological level. And it was just fascinating to me. Uh, So that was uh, definitely something that I... I really appreciate it. But I had so many wonderful professors um, throughout seminary, especially some amazing scripture professors who amazed me because uh, of their ability to be a scripture professor in the seminary. They had to know like five ancient languages and be able to like read and write in it. And I'm going, I I English, Um, I'm starting to learn Spanish. Uh, and here you are in Greek, Hebrew, Latin, and all these other things, like they'd have to be able to go into the Greek text, Uh, so, uh, in the Greek, uh, lit- uh scripture, but also, you know, if there was a, a German scripture scholar, they had to be able to read them in the original German. Oh you couldn't read them, you know, the translated version, you know, you had to read them in the original German. It was just insane. Um, but yeah, so you had, uh. So that's kind of the intellectual formation aspect of things, and then pastoral. So I had a lot of uh, very interesting pastoral assignments. Uh, I did uh, a drug rehab facility. So any, I laugh when people come in like uh, to confession. They're going, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm afraid I might say something that's gonna, you know, like scandalize you." And I'm going, "I worked with addicts." There is nothing that you can do. The things that they did for drugs would make a sailor blush. So (laughs) trust me, like, you're not going to scandalize me in any way. Um, And uh, going to uh, prison ministry and juvenile detention centers, uh, uh, going and doing hospital ministry and just being present to those people uh, to really form the pastoral identity of the priest and to be able to be uh, one for others in their particular circumstances, um and uh you know but i think one thing that i really kind of want to highlight in this episode uh as i've done various discernment uh groups and discernment retreats and vocation nights and youth groups and i'll never forget there was a uh, this kid who came on a discernment retreat cuz his mom made him you know his mom wanted him to be a priest always the mom the mom always <laughs> yeah. you know and uh so I, he he said he's you know, i don't feel god's calling me to be a priest and i said uh, well so you think you felt God call you to be married? And he goes, no. I said, so you haven't felt God call you to be a priest and you haven't felt God call you to be married. Maybe you need to keep praying about what God is calling you to. And so often we uh, just default as marriage is the default vocation. And if God calls me somewhere else, then I do that. That's such a lie. Yep. Like the Lord is supposed to call you to what your vocation is, and that first vocation to holiness, but then to your particular vocation, whether it be married life, uh, consecrated religious life, priesthood, uh, to the diaconate. We just had Deacon Dave and, and Gaster ordained to the diaconate. Yes. And, uh, but it is the Lord that calls you to any one of those vocations. It's not as if marriage is the default, and then I'll see if something else happens.
0: Right. And I think that's, it's so beautiful to, to understand that. And also to know that like, God is calling all of us to marriage and as men to fatherhood, right? You know, you're a spiritual father and I'm a, a biological father, but regardless, like both of our tracks have led to... Fatherhood. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a married man, but you're also a married man, married to the church. Mm-hmm. So it, it's almost like we think, well, either I'm going to be married or I'm going to be not married and be a priest. It's like God calls all of us to marriage and to to fatherhood, or for our our ladies for to motherhood, just in different ways. So it's it's yeah. beautiful to be able to. To know that going into it, you know, going into discernment, that it's not a a no or a yes; it's always a yes, just in different ways.
1: And I want to thank you for saying that I married the church. And so many people say, "You married Jesus," and I'm like, "I did not marry <laughs> Jesus. I am an alter Christus, another Christ right. taking on the bride, uh, the church, um, which is a very important distinction." Uh, and I always say that as in marriage, you're called to get your spouse to heaven. Well, the Lord knew that it was going to take a lot more than one person praying for me to for me to get to heaven. <laughs> so I married the whole church. So all of you need to pray for me that I can get to heaven and all of our priests. We definitely need lots of prayers. Amen.
0: Amen. Is there um, maybe one instance in your whole kind of seminary formation that kind of stands out as like that experience was like transformational for you or like a certain like what was there a transformational moment there for you?
1: I want to say when I first got to the seminary, uh, it became real. Uh, I had felt that call, and it was kind of a cool experience of going through the discernment process, and then I actually showed up to the seminary, and then it dawned on me what I was about to undertake. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've heard it said that when a a new uh, biological father, it's not until he actually holds his child that he really understands
0: Whoa. Uh, Whoa, (laughs) like
1: this is is here. Now I'm actually holding my baby. Um, And so in a sense, that was a big moment for me of actually showing up to the seminary and realize what I was dedicating myself to. And it was also a challenge in my discernment. Hmm. Uh, All of a sudden when it becomes real, and I hadn't even making any of the promises yet, I could have (laughs) left it. I could have showed up to the seminary and left at any moment. I wanna make that clear too. Right. Uh, When I started theology, after my first three years, I started theology. I started theology with a class of about 38. My class at ordination was 15. Hmm. So the numbers go down pretty dramatically, and it's a beautiful thing. The Lord uh, speaks to this man and says, all right, no, I'm actually calling you to something else. Um, And that's that's something that we honor and respect. There are those who try to just, like, leave in the middle of the night, and it's like, I thought we were friends. What happened? Like, I why, leave in the middle of the night. Like, it's okay. You know, no one's going to be mad at you. But then there are, we have a lot of those brothers who um, in deep prayer and discernment realize that the Lord is calling them to other things. There's still some of my closest friends who are now married and have kids and have these beautiful families. And so that's definitely a, a great blessing in my life.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. And so for our young people who um, maybe a little bit of practical advice or making these big decisions in life are really trying to hear the Lord's voice as to what they're supposed to do, where they're supposed to go. Do you have a, a little, what's your nugget of wisdom in that? What would you tell them?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to bring it back to St. Ignatius who said that you, uh, rule five was of the, uh, discernment of spirits is always drilled into our heads. And that's when, uh, when we're not hearing the Lord's voice, don't make any changes that you heard when you, that you made when you were hearing the Lord's voice. So, uh, Imagine you're blindfolded and going through life, but you have someone telling you where you need to go. If you don't hear that voice and you know that there's potential dangers around you, just stop for a minute or continue doing what you knew was correct when you last heard the Lord's voice. Um, And if you're not hearing the Lord's voice, well, that's when you need to, uh, first of all, maybe uh, uh, take a step back, uh, talk to a priest, talk to uh, maybe your parents, your youth minister, someone who you know um, is going to have that deep spiritual life who can help you discern uh, how to get back to hearing the Lord's voice. Um, but uh, don't make any decisions when you're not hearing God. Like, and the Lord always calls you towards something uh, and uh, not just a way, like if, you're, if there's a sin in your life, the Lord's going to say, hey, don't do that. Right. Um, but at the same time, the Lord calls you by your name, to greatness. Uh, The Lord doesn't just scald you and tell you all the things that you're doing wrong. Um, That's the voice of the enemy. Don't listen to that voice. (laughs) Listen to the voice that calls you to greatness. And uh, then in the end, um, it'll always be fruitful uh, when you are listening to that voice.
0: Beautiful. Yes. Thank you for that. And thank you, Father, for taking the time to to share your experience um, in seminary and to give that wisdom to our young people. Hopefully Father Adam's story helped you reflect on your own experiences and the ways that God wants to encounter you there. And now it's your turn to keep telling the story. Today, consider what experiences have helped to form you into the person that you are today. And what are the times when you've heard the Lord's voice? How do you stay attuned to Him and where He's calling you? Thank you for joining us on Encountering the Heart. Until next week, remember that God loves you and wants to write a great story with your life.